Welcome back to the Bad Balance Podcast, where every shot makes someone happy. And today, we're just going to do a quick podcast about how you're going to play your best golf in 2024. We call it the Bad Balance Guide to Your Best Golf. But before we get into that, this podcast is brought to you by Manners Golf. The dopest brand in golf. And since golf became popular during COVID, there seemed to be a split between lifestyle brands that focus on hypey fashion and performance brands that you see on tours that are all about technical fabrics and tight pants. And Manners threads the needle between the two. I'm sure some of you guys, 2024 has to be a year where your resolution is to look better. A great place to start. In fact, no better place to start than Manners Golf. So go to use code BBB15 for 15% off. And now here's Harry Styles. Providing you content on Christmas Day. Yeah. What does Central C say? The trap's still running on Christmas Day. And We're we here. might we might we might be single after this. That's fine. Just disregarding our family responsibilities. It's it's all it's all good. You know, leave that for 2024. We're here to talk about there, there's no golf going on, so we're just gonna do a bad bounce guide to playing your best golf in 2024. I mean, three of us are instructors, although they're not here. Kyle's not an instructor. But Kyle probably plays with the most high handicappers, you'd say? Yeah, out of the four of us, for sure. Yeah, you play with the most. And, I mean, I pretty much only play with us four. Yeah. Yeah, so you've you've seen it. I like playing with the normal crowd, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, get down, team play, whatnot. That's true. You play Skins a lot of team games. play. Yeah. Well, team play is dirty because you get no strokes. Yeah. And so yeah. they, uh, but you still come out on top. Yeah. So as someone who comes out on top on these team plays, you've seen it all, and you know how to make them better. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> all right, so let's start with breaking 100. Just get right into it. Breaking 100, the first thing you got to do is catch the ball solid as often as possible. I agree. I was going to say just getting off the tee. Getting off the tee. Making contact. It doesn't have to be pure. doesn't even really have to be straight. It just has to be on the face. Yeah, in front of you. In front of you. So we'll say toe, heel, center, great. You can't chunk it. You can't shank it. You can't top it. Right. You're just making contact with the ball flying in the air. And so the most important thing that's going to help you holistically is to get yourself hitting the ball first and then the ground, which we call low point control. I was going to wonder how you say uh, low point control. Yes, because that is a pretty big term. Yeah. But it's hitting the ball, then hitting the ground. If you watch good players, the best players on TV, they're not perfect. But what they do do is they make a divot after they hit the ball. They all make divots. Why is it that all high-end handicappers only make divots behind the ball? Because their low point or the lowest point of the golf swing is too far behind the golf ball. So learn to hit the ball first, then the ground. Just do that. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if it slices. We could fix the slice or the pull or the hook later. But if the ball's going left, right, chunk, top, shank, high, low, hook slice on any given time, then we can't help you. Right. So if you're shooting in the hundreds, hit the ball first, then the ground. And the easiest way to do that, drill for me, is I would just hit balls basically off my left foot. Right. Because then you will always have, everything would be in front of you. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and don't the, chunk it. The club was coming down almost in the same spot every time. Right. Yeah. Um, hey, what else, what else could we do? We could, I always like to put, when you make your practice swing on the range, 
take a practice swing pretty close to the golf ball, on to the side of the golf ball, and make sure you watch the club hit the ground in front of the ball and just mimic that feel when you hit it. I know it's weird that you're not trying to hit at the ball. You're trying to hit in front of it. But if every single time you hit in front of the golf ball, the ball will at least fly. Even yeah. if you thin it, it might run up to the green. Agreed. How many Zyre golf hole-in-one videos have we seen where a guy thins it and it just dribbles onto the green and in the hole? Yeah, I mean, almost all almost, of them. Almost all of them, yeah. yeah. And they're like, ah, all right. All right, next. Short game for the person who shoots 100. What's your advice? You're the great chipper in this. When they have a chip, just... Just get it on the green. Just get it on the green. Don't get cute with it. Yeah. I was going to say, maybe this is too advanced, but in a bunker, just get it out of the bunker. Just get it out. Just yeah. get it out. Chip I'm, it on and two putt, and you will save a tremendous amount of strokes. Even if... I'll go this far. If you're short of the green, straight, you've thinned your shot, you're begging for it to run onto the green because you listen to us, the next step is, let's say the pin is on the left, you're chipping short of the green, don't even go for the pin. Yeah. Just get it on the green, pin high somewhere, even if you're aiming right of it, you might look silly, and then just get your two-pun, get out, that's a bogey. I agree. You bogey every hole, you shoot 90. People just, it looks funny and they want to go for the glory, you yeah. know? Yeah. But if you really want to shave shots off your game... Hit on the green. Just hit on the green. Because a lot of times, high handicappers who can't break 100 don't know how to read a green. True. So they'll aim at the flag, they'll hit a chip, and then they'll watch, and it'll just go dribbling left. They hit a little too hard, and now next thing you know, they're in the rough. Right. And doing it again. So just get it on the green, people, with their chipping. (sighs) Any advice to putting? I I think from there, just do your best. If you do those two steps, hit the ground in front of the ball, yeah. Even with driver. Like, you can hit down on driver, and you can hit up on driver. With an iron, you have to hit down no matter what. Chipping, just get it on the green. After that, you should be able to break 100. Putting up. Yeah, I agree. I do agree. Putting, I would say, especially for people who shoot around 100, Yeah, all your friends make you putt one-foot putts, and yes. you guys miss them. <laughs> so practice your one-foot putts. I'm not even saying this as a joke. Because you'll feel better knowing that you can make that thing coming back. Right. Make your one-foot putts. Make your one-foot putts. All right. So as a general, let's let's tie a knot on breaking 100. The dogs are going crazy out dogs there. The dogs crazy. want you guys to break 100 too. Make sure you hit the ball before the ground, right? And then hit the ground in front of the ball, right? Now chipping. Just chip it on the green. On the green. Don't get cute with it. Like literally anywhere on the green. And then three... Make your one-footers. Make your one-footers. <laughs> I should have laughed. We're trying to be constructive here. Yeah. <laughs> I should have been off the top being like, this is the most serious we're going to be. There's only two of us. The energy's low, but we can't. It's just not in us. Well, <laughs> to add to the one-footers, Bo Hostler is on tour. Notoriously, he would just putt one-footers. Would he really? Yeah, one to two-footers. Just chalk line, getting the ball rolling down the line. Hitting the back of the cup. So, tour pros do it, too. He's a great putter. Why not you? Yeah, he's a great putter. He uh, struggles with his iron game. He is the one who made the counterbalance putter famous that Ricky has made re-famous. Honestly, that is so true. Bo started it first. When he led the U.S. Open at what? Was he 16, 17? I think he was younger than that. He was led the U.S. Open at I don't even think he could drive a car when he was leading. Yeah. Wearing a high visor and a counterbalance spider, white spider. Anyways, let's move on to breaking 90. A little bit tougher now, right? Breaking 90. First things first with the ball striking, make sure you pick a direction, I would say. What do you mean? 
Like, make sure it's either just slicing or just hooking. Oh, not both. And just try to play it. Okay. I think too many guys either either take lessons so that you can kind of pick a direction, right? And so we'll help you. So typically we'll come, we'll see guys who shoot in the 90s, they'll slice it. Right. And I'll say, hey, shut the face and play a pull for now. We can fix the path later. Okay, I like that. But if you're not going to take a lesson and you slice the ball, don't fight it. So Play you're, it. You're saying now we can get off the tee and now we're just picking a direction. Right, because I think too many people who shoot in the 90s, tell me, correct me if I'm wrong, they are like, man, I'm slicing it today. And they're just waiting for the day they time it well where they don't slice it. True. They don't have the ability... And I mean, as you get better, it's still hard. Like I hooked the ball and I would never accept it and play it like to be like, I am slicing the ball. I'm going to aim left and commit to aiming at that tree on the left and letting it curl back in and getting comfortable with that. I think the problem with most people is at times they have tried that. They got burned and it went dead straight. Right. Down the line. Right. Because they square the face up. Right. And they just end up pulling it. So, well, I'm never going to do that again. Yeah. It's almost like they aim left and then they, they can kind of picture the ball going into the tree. Yeah. And that's all they can picture. And Whereas they just when create they aim, it. And they just create it. Whereas when they aim straight, all they can picture is hitting it straight down the middle and they don't. Right. When they see the tree, they just picture hitting the tree and they hit the tree. So, what, was your advi- what would be your advice to a guy who shoots... 90 is trying to break that well a lot of the guys that i play with that shoot in the 90s they think they're playing smart but like they'll hit three wood off a tee Uh, or an iron off a tee and in my head i'm like why are you gonna leave yourself 200 yards coming in yeah yeah you're not gonna hit this three iron any better or than you're you're gonna hit your driver hit more drivers have less coming in how many times do we hear the guy on the range be like the other day i discovered why take out driver Right with my three wood, I can keep it down the fairway. You know, straight is better than long. Right, and every tour guy is yelling, "Long is better than straight." Right, and so put driver. Be more confident hitting driver. My uh, my dad's friends growing up would never believe me. I'm like, guys, yeah. hit more drivers. Your your three wood's going two hundred. You know, we're playing the same tees. I have a hundred and fifty less on every hole. Yep, hit more drivers, and then they started doing that. Played much better, and also. Would would you say for us, when I step on a tee with a three wood, I'm not, I'm definitely less comfortable than I am with the driver. For sure. Three wood spins more, it goes higher. It's a smaller head. Yeah. We don't hit it as often. And if I miss hit it, it's going to go shorter. Right. Exactly. There's no victory there unless there's something, you know, keeping me away from hitting driver. A lake at 290. Yes. Or, yep. No trouble at 280 or something like that. Yep. Yep. Um, so keep driver in your hand. Keep That's driver in hand. I like that. Unless there's shit in the way right. and you can't. Now, what would you say to the guy who, I would say, okay, holistically, if you're a guy who shoots in the 90s because you swing way too hard at every driver and you hit a far, mm. I would still say keep driver in your hand. Just learn to dial it back and hit it better. But when you get in the 90s, I think that's when you need to get better with, get be a little more dialed with the driver. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I would also say, Chipping, same rule, get it on the green. I would say putting. They three-putt a lot. You, you would agree? Oh, yeah. Speed. Speed, 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 yep. speed, speed. Yep. And short putts. Short putts, I'm almost... They don't need to make those yet. You don't you know? think so? You don't think so when it comes to... No, maybe, for, let's say from six feet, if they're making two out of five, that's pretty good. I just see a lot of people who struggle to break 90 when they're hitting three or four footers. 
Uh-huh. It just looks ridiculous. They're clearly not aimed at the right place. They're guiding it in the hole. Yeah. So when it comes to breaking 90, like, you know, when they set up, they walk into you go, oh, that's a good looking. They kind of know what they're doing with the putter. Right. Someone who shoots in the 90s almost never looks like they know what they're doing with the that's putter. That's true. Yep. Looks I, like they've never owned a dog and trying to give it a walk. <laughs> I will say, though, that the majority reason of why they have the three to four foot putts is because they hit their 20 footer to four feet. Yeah. And if you just hit it to a foot, which you've already practiced to break 100. Right. <laughs> you're good to go. Right, right. So yeah, how do they control their speed? Get on the practice putting green, hit putts with your eyes closed, put a little club behind the About hole a foot and a half. foot and a half, don't hit the club. Try and hit a few in a row in between the club and the hole. Yep. You know, my coach as a kid always told me when you're on a putting green, practice six feet and in or 30 feet and out. Yep. Work yep. on speed or just making short ones. So putt really long putts and just focus on your speed. Don't necessarily worry about the line so much. Yeah. I think when people – it's a mindset thing, right? They really want to make this uphill 20-footer. Yeah. Or they you know, they start chomping at the bit to try and get this like ball in the hole because they're kind of close. Because how many guys who struggle to shoot 90 have 20 feet for birdie? How often does that happen? Not very often. That's like us yeah. having a 20-footer for eagle. Yeah. And so they start getting a little bit antsy and giving a little bit too much. Right. And so if you can commit to that whole idea of, hey, one shot at a time, envision the putt, you know, don't, you know, don't get consumed by what the score is, all those old adages we hear, uh, but to really commit to your line and your speed and hit the 20-footer as it feels for bogey. Right. But really commit to what you're doing there and don't try to make it. And the other thing I see with... Uh, you know, amateur golfers that struggle to break 90. Downhill putts, they give them way too much respect. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Like nine times out of ten, a downhill putt is left short, and now they're left with another downhill. Yes, yep. It's okay to hit the downhill putt past the hole because you just have an uphill one coming back. Yep, yep. So maybe. It's true. Maybe we save that for 80, but I don't think so. Yeah. I think that's a 90. For sure. I think a 90 shooter, if they can – Go back and say, if I just cut my – had one three-putt around, let's say. Yeah. A lot of them will probably two. be like, wow, what if – yeah, let's say two three-putts. I, I, I'd probably break 90. Right. I'd probably break 90. All right, so that's breaking 90. Breaking 80. That's a good one. This is a good one. So I'll start with just a decade system. Uh, driving pretty well, whatever that may mean. Um, they usually have a stroke gain system. But let's say you're, you're pretty good with the driver. You have to be for breaking 80. Um, don't make bogey with wedges. Make your short putts. I agree. That would be my guide. But yeah. Okay, you just gave it real nice and simple. But yeah, yeah. I would say that breaking 80 is just no dumb shots. No I dumb mean, shots. Hit oh, more greens. Sorry, the decade system is no penalty shots off the tee. Mm-hmm. Don't make bogeys with wedges. Yeah. No three putts. Yeah. Yeah, no bogeys with wedges for sure. Yep. I mean, that goes back to no dumb shots. Yep. Right? Uh, hitting more greens. Yep. I'd say you have to hit 9 to 12 greens to break 80. You're right. Later, you have guys like me that can hit four greens and, you know, shoot 72, but it takes a fine talent to do that. <laughs> and also, that does, there is a cap to that. There's a cap. It's not sustainable yeah. at all. Yeah. Like your, your lowest score is going to be 71, which I'm right. sure many people will be happy with, but that's about as well as you could shoot. Um, also, the hardest thing, when we were talking to Scott Fawcett when I was over at Kelsey Fullerton, 
uh, as an assistant coach, he was saying the hardest thing for your boys is going to be to aim at nothing. Mm-hmm. He's like, hit a 40-yarder towards that target, that, that tree that is 400 yards away, right. and hit a 40-yard shot towards that. Then they hit it. They're like, oh, I think that's pretty good. They're like 25 feet left and hit it 53 yards instead of 40 yards. And they're like, what? I, th- I thought it was pretty good. Right. Just because like their depth perception and visual is so off, they're just used to aiming at flags escalate that for someone who struggles to break 80 90 or 100 but for anyone if they can get used to aiming at the middle of the greens right and getting used to aiming at nothing which is a tough skill to have it's so hard to once you get better yep in that you can break 80 sort of zone to know you're you know you think i can fire at this flag why not right and then you fire at the flag pull it and make double you're like oh that's why not. Yep, but you don't realize that. You just go, oh, I hit a bad shot. Yes. If I hit that shot well, it's birdie. Whereas a player like you or me will aim 20 feet right of the flag, pull the wedge, and it goes to a kick-in, Right. and everyone thinks we hit a great ball. And we laugh about it. Yeah. Yep, yep. And then if we pull it, then we go, no, we hit a bad shot. It right. wasn't a, an error. If we aim at the flag and then pull it, we're like, why do we just do that? Yeah. It's such a sucker flag, right? So when it comes to bringing it, it's that uh, chipping. What would you say? Chipping, you need to have uh, the ability to hit, not a flop, but a high soft shot. Really? Yeah. I would say those are the ones where you, because again, if you're breaking 80, you could make seven bogeys and no no doubles and no birdies. Right. Those shots, take your bogey and get out. So, yeah, I think I'm thinking of a much more difficult chip. Yes. Is, you know, I'm not saying you go for the glory, but you have the ability to just sort of hit this little high one that goes to 20 feet and get out of there. Yeah, get out of there. Yes. Instead of definitely. hitting it to 40 feet because you right. can't get the ball to stop. I see. See, I what I where I was going to go with chipping is get up and down on the shots you should get up and down on. Yes. That, like the bump and runs, the little soft pitches, or like the ones, easy ones that are right off the green. Don't duff them. Don't compound errors in that sense now that was a perfect way of putting it too many doubles from right next to the green in the rough yes dumping under it or like they try to hit a bump and run they're not sure what they're doing they hit it way too hard yes i mean you brought up a great point double bogeys yep. the elimination of double bogeys yes is how you break 80 yes exactly and a lot of times they happen from i chip it on the green i three putt yeah and it's just like i didn't it wasn't a bad hole but i made a double and then the next hole you're in bad spirits yeah Everyone's going to hit a tee ball into someone's house sure, or in a creek or whatever. Those things happen. Yes. But making double out of a bad choice or a simple task, that's a no-no. You won't break 80. Round killer. Round killer. Now, when it comes to putting, I see this way too often. They hit a three-footer and or even like a five-footer, whatever length putt, and they don't. They kind of wiggle around. They try to guide it after they mm-hmm. hit it, right? They start twisting the putter back and forth to whichever direction they want it to go. Mm-hmm. The tall putters kind of hold their putt or, and they're watching it being like, okay, please, like, is it going to go in? Is it going to go in? Or they have a slight recoil, put the putter on the ground, watch the balls rolling. Too many high handicappers or people who can't break 80, first of all, are aimed wrong, and they try to guide the putter into the hole, and they're like fidgeting all over the place when they finish. I agree. I would say breaking 80s where making putts inside five can really start adding up. You miss three putts outside five, or inside five, excuse me, you know, that's three more birdies you're going to have to make up. I agree. Right? So so then that's where I think for people, get an alignment stick, find a flat putt, start working on your alignment, make sure alignment is sharp, 
make sure your eyes are over the ball. So if you drop a ball from your left eye, it's somewhere in line with the ball that you're putting with. And then hold your finish. And then work on putts like that, right? I'm not going to tell them to go get a training aid, go get a ruler putt on top of that. Find a flat putt, aim straight, hold your finish, make sure it goes in. Yeah. Can you roll the ball down your line? Down your line. Where you're looking. And holding it, you know, and, and, and kind of... I would say even I'm not a big keep your head down guy, but here it going something like that. Yeah. To where you can make your short putts because generally they're not going to break too much. So if you're confident you can start the line properly, those putts should go in. And you your read can't be off by that by four. It really inches, can't be that right? far off. Yeah. Your read can't be off by four inches. No. No. Exactly. So hit a good putt with good speed from short distance, and you'll make more of them. Yep. And hold your finish. Mm-hmm. A line a line right. Hold your finish, and off so you go. I don't look up. Till I hold my finish. Yeah. Till it's done. Yeah. Then I look up. So sometimes on a three footer, I don't look up till after it's in the hole. Yeah. Or, you know, it lipped out. Yeah. But I mean, the old adage is here it go in, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Got anything else? Should we go for the elusive 75 or 70? 70? Should we do a quick how to break 70? How does she on a par for the first time ever? Okay. I mean, first time ever, you just feel like you black out and you're in the zone. Yeah. But. <laughs> How to do it I, consistently, but maybe? Then I think that's how it'll also feel when you broke 80 for the first time. That I felt the exact same yeah. way when I broke 80 for the first time, so, too. Yeah, let's talk about how to, the formula to break, seven, uh, break par consistently, which is okay. hard. I mean, we're on the search as well. It's it's just building upon 100, 90, 80. Yes. It's bogey elimination. Yes. It really has nothing to do with making more birdies. Yes. If you can make three bogeys or less per round you should have the chance to shoot under par with four par fives every yes. time. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you're going to break par consistently, you got to eliminate the penalty shots off the tee. Yeah. This is where, you know, being able to really eliminate the penalty shots doesn't mean you have to hit it perfect. Eliminate some penalty shots. You, you can eliminate them more so by your thought process and 100%. not choosing the club that puts you in danger. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, and taking advantage of par fives. Uh, yes. Taking advantage of par five. So let's create the formula for break, uh, for making birdie on par fives or eagle. If you hit it far, drive it well. Mm-hmm. Work on driver. Um, if you don't hit it far, but you still shoot around par, to shoot under par, you really got to dial in your wedges. Have to. And if you make bogey with that wedge, that's what kills you. And I think I am a great example. Sure. Of that. Right. I'm short. Right. I can hang around with Nico, Austin, and you. Right. Because my wedge game is dialed. Right. You guys will have three feet every time because you're hitting a chip and I'm hitting a 100-yard wedge. But I'll have 10 or 15, and I'm still in there hanging around. Yep. And you don't make bogeys with them. I do not make bogeys. And if you do, you're probably not going to have a great day. Yeah. Not happy. Yeah. And uh, it's almost like you lose a stroke and a half. Now, you don't, but it's almost it, it def- certainly feels like you're losing a stroke and a half. Right. Um. And also, throughout the day, even if you're trying to break par consistently, and again, we're, we're not saying you're a tour player. You're a guy who shoots anywhere between 71 to 76, and you're trying to get that down to 70 to 74. Uh, you will get four to five middle pins around, maybe six to seven, seven to eight, depending on what you even consider a middle pin. And you will get four to five sucker pins a day. Yeah. Stay away from those sucker pins. Make par on those sucker pins. And even on the hardest holes, if the pin is in the middle, you have a chance. I agree. You have a chance. So uh, don't go for the soccer pins. Play for the middle of the green when you can. 
Um, and what did Tiger say? What's the most important thing in golf? Being pin high. Being pin high. So dial in your yardages. That's why Tiger took so much off his game. Yardage distance control. wise. Yeah. I mean, this is where you start going. This is how you win tournaments. Yeah. But True. Uh, Tiger definitely, especially since 97, when he won his first Masters, started dialing back his distance for sure. I mean, on that, that Butch Harmon special that, you know, was amazing. That'll never happen again. Where a tour guy goes on TV for an hour for hours talking about True. his golf game. Where he's with Butch Harmon, he was saying, uh, I did so and so with my swing. I don't want to do the Olay swing anymore. I don't want to get dumped under and throw. And then Butch Harmon goes, You gotta get a lot stronger to do this, right? And Tiger said, Yeah, I, I gained fifteen pounds of muscle and I probably lost about twenty yards, fifteen to twenty yards. So you gained fifteen pounds of muscle to lose twenty yards. Yeah. And it's hard to argue that it didn't make his game better. You can do, you know, the same. He, he probably was hitting it around the same. Yeah. Um, I think I think he lost some distance, but I think yeah. it was good. You can do the same with less. Yes. Right? Less effort, and the ball's going exactly where you want. Yep. But now he's able to control his yardages. Uh-huh. He when he was dumped under, across the line, dumped under, He would. I'm sure he would randomly get the balls that go way too far. Yeah. And one of the videos that I will always remember is when he was super pissed off. It's cold in Arizona. He hits a five iron from two from two twenty five downwind, and he goes sit sit and lands goes long, and he was like, I just hit a five iron two fifty. I hit a thin. <laughs> I remember two. that. And he was upset. He's like, I hit a thin too. Yeah. Didn't get any charges right. Yeah. And why did that frustrate him so much? Well, he thought it was in the hole, and he looks up and it's off the green long, and Tiger Woods may get that up and down. You. Sir, listening to this, going to work, or ma'am, you probably may not get that up and down. So, uh, distance control, huge, 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 which then comes into you knowing your yardages. Yeah, which leads into trajectory as well. Yeah, but I think the biggest thing when it comes to knowing the yardage is like, hey, you don't hit 89 or 175, and it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> How far can you just controlled chip yeah. this 8 iron? 160? Yeah. That's what the eight iron goes yeah. for the most part. If yeah. you have to crank one over a tree and hit it one seventy five, sure, let it fly. But that's not your stock yardage. I I have a TrackMan, and I don't I can't tell you how many feelings I've hurt with that TrackMan. Yeah, where they're going, how far did that go? I'm like one forty. Sounds about right. They're like, no, I hit this one sixty five. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I, I'm sure it's just the range ball. And in yeah. my head, I'm going, uh, do you really hit a 165? I'm not downing you, but it doesn't look like. And look at your swing speed. You know, when your swing speed is 73 miles an hour on a 7 iron, that's about 140. Right. So uh, maybe you're faster on the course. I'm not going to doubt you. But uh, maybe you went 165 one time in your life, caught a flyer. You don't know right. how to read a flyer yet. And that's okay. But know your yardages. Play your yardages. I agree. 100%. Putting. Putting. I mean, that's. I think it's the same rules as breaking eighty. It's the same. At that Better, point, more speed control, more short putts that go in. Yes, at that point, I, I actually don't think putting's that much different from breaking par and breaking eighty. I, I really, I don't. actually would agree. Yeah, yeah. It's more so ball striking Plot, and yep. decision making. Yep. All right, that was good. How was your Christmas? My Christmas was good. I got a lot of clothes, so everybody must think my style's off. <laughs> And that's okay. I mean, they must not have seen the jingly party animal dog uh, festive Christmas sweater. Yep. That's my jacket jingling, in case you were wondering. 
So people just don't understand fashion. Right. Uh, no, it was a great Christmas. All right, great good. Christmas. How about you? Uh, it was good. As I saw my sister down in uh, San Diego. She has two nephews, and or she has two sons who are my nephews. And uh, they got just like 30 gifts. That's a good Christmas they as a kid. They had so many gifts. And so it made me understand. I'm like, they were so excited for Christmas, and I totally understand why. <laughs> Can you just imagine you just like wake up and have 30 gifts? That's like, my little sister lived those Christmases. Yeah. Those are great. My nephew, I watched them. Yeah, my, my nephew this year is having a crisis being like, how does Santa fit down the chimney? It's like, <laughs> Santa's big, right? But he chooses to, you know, ignorance is bliss because he doesn't want to believe. Right. You know, he, that Santa can't go down the chimney. Santa can do anything. How old were you when you stopped believing in Santa? Uh, you know, I don't have a core memory of when I stopped believing. I can't. I couldn't tell you. I feel like I was way too old. <laughs> Maybe like sixth grade or something. I always tell this story, but uh, shout out to the Bill Simmons podcast. They have this thing with Cousin Sal, um, who Cousin Sal is Jimmy Kimmel's cousin, and he's like the side host. But they do a football podcast, and they have a section called Parent Corner, and his son is 13. And still believes in Santa. Okay. So, right. so I don't feel 12, that bad. 12 maybe, some of that. And it, it, he's like, he's he still has to, he's like, I got to do this elf on a shelf thing. My wife and I are fighting because I forget. And she's like, wakes up and, and frantically because the kid's up and we didn't move elf on a shelf. I don't know why she only remembers when we wake up. And it, it got so bad. He's like, I'm about to blow it. This kid can look up porn, pornography on his phone. And he still believes in elf on a shelf. By the time you're watching Naked Boobies, like, you got to stop believing in Santa. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to blow it. I'm going to tell him. I'm dying. <laughs> I'm dying like, right now. Uh, and so that's how his kid found out about uh, that Santa was not real. That's awesome. <laughs> his dad was like, I'm tired of Elf on a Shelf. I'm just kid, I got I to gotta sit you down and I got to tell you something. <laughs> that's a power play. I, okay, I'll, I'll wait till 13 yeah. and I'll ruin it for my kid. And he goes... I move the elf every single night. You won't believe it. (laughs) That's brutal. That's, yeah. I've seen kids with elf on a shelf. They love that stuff. You didn't grow up with it, right? No, I didn't. I didn't know. We Googled it. It was invented in 2005. They just move an elf around. Move an elf around, yeah. And he does things. And then then the day of Christmas, uh, Santa comes down the chimney and takes the elf back. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Takes the elf home because elf gave him a Santa report. Oh my god! Yep, that's crazy. Okay. All right. Well, that was just uh, that was thirty minutes. That was nice and tight. That was easy. Yeah. Maybe we can save our relationships for twenty twenty four. I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a bad balance podcast. We will see you guys next. You know, next week's already the Century Tournament Champions. We're that's going right into it. That's crazy. Yeah. We're going. We're going. This right year into went it. by so fast. It's, yeah, it just goes by faster and faster. You know what they say? The Days go by slow and the years go by fast. I like that. Words of wisdom. All right. Well, that was a Bad Balance Podcast. Thank you, everybody. We love you guys. Thank you, guys. See you next year.